Are you scared of anything, Greg? Death. Duh. <laughs> Listen to the Wednesday Adams episode. It's death. For me, I think it's claustrophobia. I weirdly feel irrational about it, where if I get into a space that feels like I don't have an easy out, I freak out. I'm scared of being like robbed while in the house. Like someone, like home intruder vibes. Hate that. We have, yeah, the opposite when we watch horror. I get scared of paranormal, but not that scared of like, you know, a murderer. Yeah. <laughs> but you are not scared of paranormal, but you are scared yeah, of Yeah, because no offense, paranormal doesn't exist. Murderers do. You don't know. <laughs> Welcome to Netflix's Know-It-All. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm Mitch Moffitt. You might know us from YouTube or TikTok. We're the ASAP Science Guys and your hosts for this podcast. And today, how do you get over your phobias? What do you call it when you have a fear of phobias in general? I'd name it something like metaphobia. Maybe phobia-phobia? Okay, we'll say that for later, Mr. Science, when you uh, discover a new phobia. This week, we watched White Noise from filmmaker Noah Baumbach. It's a bit of a horror film mixed with comedy. I don't want to drop any spoilers, but really at its core, the movie deals with the ever-pervasive fear of death. You know, the one that I have, which I think is a very rational fear. Life is good, Jack. I hope it lasts forever. Let's watch a sitcom or something. No! They're calling it the airborne toxic event. They won't come this way. Will we have to leave our home? Of course not. How do you know? I just know. Okay, what if it's dangerous? Evacuate all places of residence. It did get us wondering about the science behind phobias. I mean, there has to be a reason we developed them in the first place, right? Let's start off with a quick background. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America estimates that up to 19 million Americans, or 8.7% of that population, have some sort of phobia. If you have a diagnosed phobia or you think you might have one, you shouldn't feel bad about yourself. It has nothing to do with, you know, being weird or weak. It seems to come down to a mix of evolution, our brains, and genetics. Which is truly the answer to everything when you're thinking of it from a science perspective. <laughs> Humans are naturally phobic of things that might have been dangerous as we evolved. Spiders, scorpions, heights, and small spaces. Those things might have been conditioned into the human brain as highly risky over the course of human evolution. A 2001 study showed that humans were found to identify and fear images of snakes and spiders way faster than they identified neutral objects like flowers. It's so funny because in high school, before I drank coffee, I used to keep a photo of a wolf spider under where I would do my homework. And whenever I got tired, I would pull the wolf spider out quickly, look at it, get scared, get my heart rate up, and then continue to study. It's kind of genius, actually. I know. It was like an espresso shot of obvious fear. Why would you do that to yourself? I don't know, Derek, because the last time I saw them... Nick, it wasn't your fault. Here's the kicker, though. For fear to escalate to irrational levels, a combination of genetic and environmental factors is very likely at play. Estimates of genetic contributions to specific phobias range from roughly 25 to 65%. It seems that trauma and fear can be passed on down genetic lines, but we still don't know if or how this applies to humans. Ugh, I really wanted to blame my parents, but I guess we just can't do that quite yet. <laughs> no, it's, it's not your fault, Mom. None of this is your fault, okay? 
We're now discovering that phobic fear may largely happen in a bit of the brain called the amygdala, which is involved in memory and emotions. That's also what lights up when something dramatic or scary happens, like a gunshot. Some scientists think that phobic people actually have slightly different amygdala that can't exactly process fear in a sensible, slow manner. A study in 2013 found that people with the fear of spiders have a smaller left amygdala. Okay, so wait, so does that mean that that part of the brain is smaller because they have a phobia? Or do they, like, have a phobia because that part of their brain is smaller? That's a really good question, which I do not have the answer to. In fact, we don't really know if that's a consequence of phobias or if it causes them. The American Psychological Association blames phobias on some kind of dysfunction in the amygdala and related brain areas, but it's not prepared to be more specific than that. Okay, let's list some of these phobias because they are really interesting. No shame if you have these phobias, but they're kind of LOL. Okay. <laughs> Arithmophobia is when you have a genuine fear of numbers. So they are not going to be physicists. <laughs> Ablutophobia is a fear of bathing, washing, or cleaning oneself. So you may be borderline that one, yeah? <laughs> okay, that is so rude, but I do self-identify as gross. Xanthophobia is the fear of the color yellow, which is like, they ain't eating bananas or lemons. What happens when they're dehydrated and their pee's yellow? <laughs> they're closing their eyes and they're missing the bowl. Omphalophobia is a fear of belly buttons. <laughs> and one last one you might not have heard of is lanonophobia, which is the fear of string. Stay away from the orchestra. Just kidding, it's a different kind of string. <laughs> yeah, and they're definitely not knitting. We should also remember that there's a huge range of how much a phobia might actually affect you. The National Institute of Mental Health notes that phobias are one of the most common types of anxiety disorders that are out there. Something like 9% of U.S. adults had a specific phobia in the last year, with an estimated 12.5% of U.S. adults experiencing a phobia at some point in their life. Data shows that phobias tend to be slightly more common for females than males. But of those U.S. adults with specific phobias, only around 22% deal with a serious impairment in their lives due to that phobia. I don't want to live in constant fear that someone's going to glue macaroni to every single thing that I do. Our brain just tells us to be scared of a bunch of things and we just have to deal with it. It's like, thanks, brain. <laughs> the classic fatalist and Greg. Actually, we can get over phobias, but it takes some work. What's the word for the fear of work? Because I have that. <laughs> <laughs> Lazy. A 2007 study that tried to help out phobic people through exposure therapy found that the amygdala's activity, that's the part of the brain that lights up during memory and emotions, but also when something scary happens, starts to drop off in treatment. Exposure therapy is considered the standard route to defeating phobias through gradually introducing the phobic thing in increasing amounts. Okay, so the solution, if I'm irrationally scared of something, is to keep being scared of it and see if it goes away. Like, like by putting me in insane situations, like, thanks, science, it sounds intense. It actually does work pretty fast. Getting gradually exposed to the phobic thing seems to rewire the amygdala's response and calm it down. And in studies, scientists have seen that there's a significant reduction in the amygdala's activity after just two weeks of therapy. NPR had a guide on how to overcome a phobia of flying and had some pretty good ideas when it comes to exposure therapy being a lot less scary than it needs to be. Exposure therapy for the fear of flying could look like simply watching a YouTube video of a plane taking off or listening to audio of a flight in turbulence. You can start small or you can just go for it with something called the flooding technique. There is no chance that something called the flooding technique is going to be pleasant. 
that sounds so scary. I need to hear about that. In this scenario, you repeatedly and fully expose or flood yourself to a situation until it feels less scary. On Psychology Today, Tom Bunn said, it's expected that the amygdala will learn that nothing awful happens and stop releasing stress hormones. It's kind of interesting because I do fear flying, but we have to fly a lot for our job. And I think I consistently get less and less scared every time I'm on a plane. And sometimes I actually do enjoy watching those horrible turbulence videos because it makes me be like, if they can get through it, like I could too. I really try hard not to let fear get in the way of things. Why do we like watching scary movies? Why do we like to get scared? It's so interesting that we work so hard to get over phobias or even basic fears. And yet, then there are things like scary movies, like white noise, which we actively seek out to be scared. Well, there's this theory. It's called the excitation transfer process that might have something to do with why we like horror movies. Basically, your body and brain remain aroused and excited even after like the scary experience of the movie is over. And during these staged fear experiences from a horror movie, your brain will produce more dopamine, which elicits pleasure. Some of the main chemicals that contribute to the fight or flight response are also involved in other positive emotional states, such as happiness and excitement. And our brains can't really tell the difference. So you're enjoying all of these jump scares and fears because you're kind of tricking your brain into just being excited. On top of that, fear creates distraction, which can be a positive experience when you don't want to be thinking about all the existential dread you got going on in your life. When something scary happens, in that moment, we're on really high alert and not preoccupied with other things that might be on our mind. Yeah, and being chased in real life, scary. Watching someone being chased in a suspenseful scene of a movie, scary, but also enjoyable. And when we experience these frightening things with people in our lives, like watching a scary movie or going on a roller coaster, we often find that emotions can be contagious in a positive way. We are social creatures. So when you sit next to your friend watching a horror movie and they go from screaming to laughing, socially, you're able to pick up on their emotional state, which can positively impact your own. I'm going to be honest, watching my friends and family get scared is one of the greatest pleasures in my life. (laughs) I love scaring people. Mean, mean, mean. So while each of these factors, context, distraction, social learning, watching your friends have fun, have potential to influence the way we experience fear, a common theme that connects all of them is our sense of control. When we are able to recognize what is and isn't a real threat, and we're able to relabel an experience and enjoy the thrill of that moment, we are ultimately at a place where we can feel in control. That perception of control is vital to how we experience and respond to fear. When we overcome the initial fight or flight rush, we are often left feeling satisfied, reassured of our safety, and more confident in our ability to confront the things that initially scared us. Before we go, one last little factoid to take you on your day. So the actor Matthew McConaughey has a fear of revolving doors. And he said that, I don't like revolving doors. And I really don't like that blind spot when you're driving and go into a tunnel. I didn't even know I could be scared of something I've literally never paid attention to before. But here we are. Phobias are anywhere and everywhere. So there you have it, phobias, and why it's fun to be a little scared safely. (laughs) That's it for this week's Know It All. I'm Greg Graham. And I'm Mitch Moffitt. 